All right, if you'll turn in your Bible to the book of Mark, chapter number 6, quickly this morning, if you would please, Mark, the book of Mark, chapter number 6, and uh, boy, it's just good to be anywhere, isn't it? Just great to be alive. I'm, you know, I drive by graveyards and just shout that I'm still on this side of the fence. You know, the older you get, the louder you'll shout. Amen. Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's good to be an American. It's good to be saved. It's good to have a good church where you can come and sit and, and listen to the gospel and listen to the word of God and be taught and grow in grace. It's wonderful. Amen. And I'm so glad you're here today. And I'd like to uh, welcome all of those by way of live stream, wherever you are, and by the way, radio, wherever you are. We're so glad that you've chosen to join us today. In the book of Luke, chapter number 6, uh, today we, we follow the miracle of the uh, loaves and the fishes. Today we're right on the, uh, on the edge, if you please, of one of the greatest miracles in all the Bible where the Lord took just a few loaves and a few fishes, you know, uh, five hush puppies and two sardines, and uh, served uh, Big D special, Kitty special, and fed as many as 20,000 folks. What a miracle that is. You know, I think if I'd been there, I think I could have remembered that a while. How about you? I, I, I really think that I wouldn't be so dumb-headed and so uh, hard-hearted that I couldn't remember something special just has happened. And so the Bible says... Verse 43, at the end of the miracle, and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of fishes. I don't know where my wife would have put all those leftovers, but she would have found some place for them. <laughs> Microwave, here they come for a month and a half. <laughs> the biggest curse to the kitchen. Yeah. Is a microwave and a casserole dish. <laughs> Two big curses to a kitchen. I'm not looking at some of you ladies because I know you're sticking your tongue out at me. And I refuse to be rebuked on that. All right. <laughs> now notice verse 44. And they did, all, they did eat all the loaves were about 5,000 men. Matthew and John says 5,000 men besides women and children. So they could have been as many as 15, 20,000 folk fed. I'll tell you, I believe if I'd have seen that, witnessed that, I believe I'd have had a hallelujah spell. I believe it would have lasted at least a week or so. Now notice verse 45. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship. And go to the other side before under Bethsaida while he sent away the multitude. While he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when evening was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea. And he alone owned the land. And he saw them toiling and growing. For the wind was contrary unto them, 
And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them walking on the sea and would have passed by them. But when he, when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it being a spirit and cried out. I know you'd had no problem with that. For they all saw him and were troubled, and immediately he talked with them and said unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went unto them unto the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. Tell me, what is more miraculous about him walking on the water than him feeding 20,000 with five hush puppies and two sardines. The problem is in 52, verse 52. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves. They had forgotten that already. For their hearts was hardened. For their hearts was hardened. That is absolutely one of the most astounding statements I've ever read in the Word of God. Twelve men who have seen him do everything under the sun that you could imagine. And here... They had forgotten everything he had done before them, to them, for them. And their hearts were hardened. To me, that's an astounding, astounding reality. That God could be so good and so gracious. And so wonderful and so marvelous and so miraculous. And people just flat forget him. Take him for granted. And even become hardened to his gospel. Do you think America might be close? Would you allow me today to preach to you out of verse 48 for just a minute, not too long. And verse 48 says, and he saw them. Now you might ought to remember that. He saw them. He's on the land. They're on the sea. The sea is eight miles wide. And according to the book of John and Mark, Matthew, they have toiled. Now listen to me. They have toiled 20 And five furloins are 30 furloins. That meant they were in the middle of the sea, four miles away, him on land, them in the sea, and he saw them. Pretty good eyesight. Oh, I just hope, I just hope one day I can see God. No, you better hope that God can see you. You, you don't have to worry about you seeing God. 
as long as you know that God sees you. <laughs> and that, that's a real blessing, amen? Because when he sees me in my storms and my troubles, it concerns him. And there is never a time when God cannot see you. And so the Bible says in verse 48, And he saw them toiling and rowing, and the wind was contrary unto them. That means the wind was in their face. They were rowing as hard as they could. I'd like to talk to you today about rowing, but not going. Wouldn't that be odd if I just talked to you this morning about rowing and not going? Sometimes you feel like you've done all you can and it just don't work. Have you ever felt like you're walking around on eggshells, just one of them just fixing to break? Have you ever worried about, you know, I noticed in chapter number six, if you would just read Mark chapter number six and thoroughly digest that, you would see that's one of the most miraculous, power-loaded chapters in all the word of God. If you would just read that, you'd find some things about uh, when Jesus returned to his own country in verse number six, and he was amazed at their unbelief. And Matthew says he could not do many mighty works in that place because of their unbelief. Do you think maybe if we believe more, God would do more for us? <laughs> Come on now. Do you think maybe if we had faith in him and less faith in us and more faith in him and we had less faith in Versa and Visa and Master Charge and everything. You think if we had more faith in him and less faith in that, that God would do more? I just wonder maybe. And then if you look back and he sends his disciples out to preach and they came back in verse number 12 and 11 and look at this. And they went out and preached that men should repent and they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. Oh, what could we do if we just believed God was able? What, what, what do you think maybe we could do if we just take the handcuffs off of God? And just believe God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can think or ask. And yet the disciples came back and reported. And uh, we talked about John being beheaded in this chapter. We talked about feeding the multitudes. But today we just come to, the, to a place where it seems like the disciples are stuck. Just not making any progress. Rowing, but not going. Maybe some of the storms that God sends your way, when you're in the middle of them, you just feel like, what's the use? It's too far to turn back, <laughs> and it's too rough to go forward. Rowing, Some of you men ought to look at your wife and says, boy, he's been reading our mail, rowing and not going. How about rowing and not growing? Uh, how about rowing and not glowing? You see, Christians ought to glow. Christians ought to be happy. Christian, the countenance on our face ought to mean there's somebody in our heart that's awful special. Amen. But I, I see maybe uh, we, we, we're like these men out there in the middle of the sea, roaring as hard as we can. You know, and, uh, and uh, we're not backslid. 
bless your heart, and maybe not given up on the Lord. He's still there somewhere, and maybe we're not throwing in the towel ready to give up. Maybe we're just serving in our church and trying to serve the Lord, but not making any headway. Just not making any headway. Faithfully praying. Faithfully reading our Bible. Faithfully going on, consuming every book in the world on how to overcome because we're overcomers. But we're just spiritually speaking, or maybe physically, we're just stuck in the mud. No hopes of getting better because we're trying our best and it just don't seem like it's getting any better. Some of you teenagers, I don't think I'm ever going to get a good looking feller. Well, honey, I've, I've been looking at all these guys around here. There's no hope of good looks around here. <laughs> Maybe you ought to look at another pond. Some of you men, some of you guys think you're old, old bachelors at 16. Just stuck in the mud. Doing but no results. Rowing, no going. Reading our Bible, praying every day, rowing but not growing. Coming to church and hoping it's out in a half an hour. Rowing and no glowing. No excitement, no praise, no hallelujah, no shout, no amen. Hurry up, get through. I've had all I can stand. Rowing. And no going. Working as hard as we can. It just seems like nothing works. Storms are for a reason. Storms. God has a plan for storms. You say, well, me and my wife, we just don't ever have any storms. Well, you're probably guilty of lying. Either that or you're dead. A grandmother celebrating her golden wedding anniversary once told the secret of her long and happy Marriage, the secret, long and happy marriage. She said on her wedding day, she decided to make a list of her husband's faults, of 10 of her husband's faults. And for the sake of the marriage, I would overlook those 10 faults. Somebody asked her, said, well... What are some of the faults that you wrote down? She said, well, I'll just tell you the truth, I never did get around to it. But whenever my husband done something, just make me hopping mad, I would say, thank God that's one of the list. <laughs> Storms. 
Could I please share with you just three attributes and three things about rowing and no going. If you think maybe your relationship with God is just stuck. Or if you think maybe the relationship between you and your spouse is not going anywhere. I don't care how long you're married. Your relationship ought to be growing. You say, really? (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's exciting. I mean, you need to be married. I'm talking about exciting. Uh, skunk stinking exciting <laughs> cow killing exciting <laughs> truck fixing exciting standing on the road cussing somebody exciting <laughs> under your breath <laughs> if you're stuck Let me give you three things, quickly, three things. Number one, Jesus sends us to the storms. Jesus sends storms to us. Secondly, Jesus sees us in our storms. Thirdly, Jesus supports us. In our storm. You say, why do you preach so simple? Because of you. <laughs> when I was in evangelism, little kids used to come to me and say, You preach so simple. Do you believe those three truths? Notice, if you would please, in our text. And rowing and not going. Notice in verse 45, please. Jesus sends us into the storm. Verse 45. And straightway, that means immediately, if not before, without any hanky-panky, without any longevity, without reservation, without thought about it, not what are you going to do tomorrow, or do I have something planned next week, or I have a doctor's appointment next week, Jesus said, get on the boat and leave now. Straightway. He constrained them. That means forced them. That means commanded them. That means do it now. I've got a storm waiting for you out there in the middle of the water. Get on the boat now. Jesus sends us into the storm. You say, well, I don't like that. Ain't that something? He didn't ask them. Come on now, come on. You say, well, I'll I tell you what, I'd be a Christian if it's always Roses and ice cream and uh, pumpkin pie and upside down cake. I'll get to be a Christian. I'm not getting saved if I got to go through storms. Well, you're going to go through them anyhow. It should be a lot better if you'd be on Jesus' side and he'd be on your side. Jesus sent him to the storm. 
Is that not so? Well, what's this old thing about? I must be out of the will of God because I got a ticket on the way home. Now, the problem was you was probably speeding. Well, my car tore up. Have you ever heard of maintenance? But Jesus sent them to the storm. I have no doubt about that. God sent them for a reason. And as Paul Harwood would say, he sent them because of the rest of the story. Verse 52. Verse 48 or verse 45 was the reason. He looked down in verse 52 and Jesus saw something in those disciples' heart and saw something in their lack of faith and saw something that needed to be changed and eradicated and fixed for the glory of God. And he saw their heart. So he said, you need a storm. How's your heart? Who you mad at? He sent them. God sent them. Why? Matthew 14 records the same story. John 6 records the same story. And in John chapter number 6, after he had seen Jesus walking on the water, listen to what they said. Truly thou art the son of God. That's what they needed to realize before they ever got on the water. That's what they need to realize before he had to tell them to get in the boat. It'd be all right if he could just suggest, say, won't you boys get in a boat? Now, you don't know this, but according to John chapter 6, verse 6, they're trying to make a king out of me. All of these folks, these throngs, these multitudes is trying to take me by force and make me a king. They do not know I came to be a savior, not a king. They're trying to mess up God's plan and get me in on the devil's plan and let me be a king before I ever have a chance to be a savior. Now get on that boat and get out of here quick. Their heart was hard. They needed an overhaul. They needed a revival. They need something to break their hard heart. They needed to be brought to a place where that they could not fix it themselves. And when they could not fix it themselves, Jesus came to them walking on the water. Let me ask you something. Sometimes do we need storms? I didn't say sometimes do we like storms. But is it possible that our Lord loves us enough to send a storm that it might remind us that we're not sufficient in of it ourselves? Could it be that sometimes Jesus sends us through a storm To remind us, if you please, of the loaves and the fishes. Sometimes maybe he needs to send the disciples through a storm that they might remember. Chapter 5 and the maniac of Gadara that Jesus just cleaned up. 
and put him in his right mind. Send him home for the glory of God. Sometimes we forget good, don't we? You know, I hate to say this, but I think maybe America might need a storm. Look about you. How long did we remember 911? Now, we threw rocks at the president who responded to 911 and traded him for a food stamp pusher. Now, we'd rather be giving away food stamps. As building armaments and remaining strong that the world might be at peace. I just, maybe if you look about us in America, we might, if we had just enough sense to notice that maybe the storm clouds are rising. You could call them. A broke economy if you'd like. You could call them debt. You could call them denying that Iran is pushing for the nuclear capability. You might hide your face from an idiot that's running North Korea. Uh, You might uh, say that our nation is not like these men, but I say to you economically... Administratively, morally, I say educationally and judicially, we are in a terrible, terrible, terrible plight in this country. And what we've done, we've like the disciples, we've forgotten in America the loaves and the fishes, and we've forgotten the Gadara maniac. We've forgotten that he can raise the dead. He created the world. He is in control. And we forgot all about that while the storm clouds rise about us. What kind of storm does you, do you think that God have to send to America. Well, what kind of storm do you think that America needs to travel through? We who are saved, we Christians who blame, believe the Bible and carry it and say that we believe it all. What does God have to give us to wake us up to the fact that he was the one who had the loaves and fishes? Nine one one didn't do it. War in Iraq and Afghanistan didn't do it. Think about it now. Hurricanes in Louisiana. Tornadoes. That's just the finger of God. Earthquakes in California didn't do it. Surely a church shooting would do it. 
I mean, in the midst of the Bible Belt. In Fort Worth, surely, surely, if someone walked into the church and shot people dead, surely, that might remind somebody that we need the God of the loaves and fishes. Or should we go to Congress and outlaw guns? Or maybe since there's more dying by drunk drivers, we'll outlaw cars. America's got her head on crooked. May I say to you today that if church shootings won't won't do it, maybe maybe a, a school shooting would do it. No, instead of turning to God, we return to Washington again. Outlawing guns. I just, I just wonder, is there a possibility that America needs awakening? Could I please suggest where it should start? In your home and in my home. It should start at our house and come down to the church house and not stop till it gets to the White House. That's what we need in America. We need to remember once again that he is the one who had the loaves and fishes and came to us walking on the water. Bless God. He is going to send us through storms. But thank God he sees us in our storm. Are you glad of that? Notice if you would please. I read for you this verse before I I close. In verse number 48, and he saw them. Man, that's dynamite. I mean, that's better than snuff, not near as dusty. And he saw them. The other night when I hit that cow, I wanted to kill the guy that owned the cow. Because I already had killed the cow. (laughs) And I wanted to kill the guy who had the cow. But standing on the roadside, he saw me. He saw how I acted. He saw my attitude. He saw me. Maybe I need to storm the other night. Maybe God need to see how I would act in the middle of the storm. How are you acting in your storm? He saw. Three faithful Hebrew children who said, we will not bend, we will not bow, and we will not burn. He saw three lonely Hebrew boys who said, we will not bow to your God.
We'll not bend our knee to your God. And our God will deliver us. And if he does not, we still will not bow to your God. And oh, the first time I read this verse, just a wee baby Christian hadn't been saved for two or three weeks. And I was reading Daniel 3. And it said, did what we cast three men bound into the fire? And they said, yes, O king. We threw three men bound in the fire. And the king says, well, I've got something special to tell you. Because I see four men. Loose walking in the fire. And the fourth has the image of the Son of God. Oh yes, he sees us in our fire. He sees us in our storm. He is working on us. For we know that all things work together for our good. Those who are called according to his purpose. He he sees us. Aren't you glad of that? I said he sees us. Aren't you glad of that? Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 6. As Moses spoke to the multitudes now, his last message. And all the old jarheads and backslidden moss-back Israelites have died in the wilderness. Now preparing the young crowd and the young preacher Joshua. Preparing them. To go over and take the land that God has given them. Moses' message was summed up. Be strong and of a good carriage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God. Listen now. He is he that doeth it. And goeth with thee. He will not. Leave thee nor fail thee. Hallelujah. He sees me in my storms. He's with me in my storms. He will never fail me in my storms. Thank God he sees me. Regardless of what you're going through today, he sees. Regardless of situations around your house, he sent you there. They're your storms. Your private, individual, personal storm. But thank God he sees you. Lastly, he supports you. And the Bible says in verse 48. And he saw them toiling and rowing. For the wind was contrary to them. And about the fourth watch of the night between 3 and 6 a.m. He cometh unto them walking on the sea. And would have passed by them. And when they saw him walking on the sea. They supposed it to be a spirit. And they cried out. What would you have done? I wouldn't have cried out. I'd have jumped out of the boat on the other side. I'd have been scared to death. Because now spirits as some folk are. They would say I was expecting him. 
I done called on the head. I knew it was coming. Not me and these guys. If I were to see anybody today walking on the water and it's cloudy and it's raining and a tempestuous wind blowing and I saw anything walking on the water, I would be walking on the water on the other side. They were scared. They were bewildered. They were confused. They thought their end was a watery grave. And they looked up and they saw him walking on the water. Now if you go back to Matthew, Matthew says Peter saw him and said, Lord, is that you? Jesus said, yes, Peter, it's me. Peter said, if it's you, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And Peter hit it and walked on the water. Until the first wave hit him in the face. And then he said, I didn't know it was going to be so wet. Bloop, 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 bloop. In your storm, don't gripe about the water hitting you in the face. There's a reason for it. And the Bible said, verse 51, And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased. And they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. Well, I wonder how long that one's going to last. If you are continually looking for a miracle, what are you going to do between miracles? If you need a feeding of the 5,000 to build your faith, and you need a walking on the water to build your faith. What's going to happen between the miracles? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Your faith ought to be in the miracle worker. Not the water he walked on. Amen. Amen. Notice if you would please. I close. The storm didn't hit till they came to the place of no return in the midst of the water. A furlong is 582 feet. Multiply 582 feet by 30 and you get about three and a half or four miles. Those guys said, no use going back. Because it's just as far back as it is forward. Don't go back. Don't go back. He'll come to you. He'll never leave thee. Nor forsake thee. And when he comes. There will be great amazement. And great wonder. And great fulfilling. And when he comes, 
the winds will cease. Huh? The sea will calm. And he'll take care of everything. So I don't know what kind of storm you're in today. But I'll bet you. Somebody here today is in a storm. Maybe a domestic storm. Occupational storm. You don't know what's going to go on at work. You don't know how things are going to go. You don't know what's going to happen. I don't either, but I know somebody does. By the way, in closing, for the third time, (laughs) how are you going to get to heaven from where you are in your storm without Jesus? See, it's all about him. It's all about him. You know, I could have preached about the water walker. Yeah. I could have preached about Jesus being the greatest connoisseur of bread and fish in the world. But it's not about walking on the water. It's about Jesus loving you and caring for you and caring for us in our storms. Because our storms have a purpose. It's to get our mind back on the water walker. And get it off the television. And get it off the, 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 you know, the, the stock market. And get it off of, of Washington. And get it off. Hey, don't worry about somebody taking your guns. Worry about them taking mine. That's going to be a biggest thing you know of. <laughs> Just have you ball while they're trying to take mine. Because it's going to take a while. <laughs> Amen. Uh, don't worry about uh, what's them uh, doomsday preppers. <laughs> They'll be selling maybe their generators. Don't worry about anything or everything. And he will keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed upon thee. Now listen. Trust in the Lord Jehovah. For in him is everlasting strength. Do you believe that? Now look. If you're in a storm. It's no surprise to Jesus. He sees you. If you'll act right, he'll support you.